Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello, how you doing tonight? How you holding up? Are these crazy days or what? It's uh, it's not very often we can talk about a a global influence, no matter where you're listening to the show on the planet. We've probably all had the same conversations about the same topics all over the planet, and that's so unusual. It's so, um, these are very curious times. I think I think um, once the dust settles, it's going to be um, revealed as one of the great awakenings of, of consciousness or human consciousness, um, perhaps, that has ever been. Alrighty, tonight the topic is reconnecting to the source. And our guest tonight is Professor Irvin Laszlo. Reconnecting to the Source is the name of his latest book. The, the subtitle is The New Science of Spiritual Experience, How It Can Change You and How It Can Transform the World. How It Can Transform the World. Is the world being transformed right now? You might say that. You know the. I I like to I like to look for effect. I like to look at. When I give something consideration, I want there's a before and an after, if you will, and the effect is the the consequence of whatever topic it is, whatever. Um, aspect of our human nature, you might say, that uh, that we might be talking about. So here we are in 2020, and there's certainly all, all kinds of peril and grief to our human condition. There's um, war, there's pain, there's suffering, there's um, sex trafficking, there's slavery, there's... Um, I don't have to list them all, um, but what my point is is humanity's far from um, really heaven on earth, or the notion of salvation, or the notion of we've made it. We're on the other side of the storm. Certainly, certainly, and we've talked about it many, many times on the show. Humanity has evolved quite a bit. I mean, how long ago was it that we had the uh, the 2012 um, cross point, if you will, the, the 2012 is the birth of the new era, the birth of the new paradigm. But let's just stop for a second and and look at the tea leaves, or 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 um, take a step back and and look at our condition. So here we are in 2020, and I've I've mentioned the the pain and anguish that exists on our planet today. And for eons of time, we've had this thing called religion. 
For eons of time, this religion has made us so many promises. For eons of time, many, many cultures have had many, many saviors come to the planet. And I'm not discounting these saviors whatsoever, but let's, let's, let's keep looking here. So the religions have brought to us saviors, and the saviors have come into our presence, and they've turned around and left. So to look at the savior archetype just a little bit more. Now, Jesus, in my perspective, is, is a phenomenal persona, a phenomenal example of what's possible. And he himself said, everything that I have done, you will do as well and even more. So when we, when we look at the archetype of a savior, I don't think it was ever about the savior as, as the, per, uh, uh, the sole pivot point of humanity. When Jesus was on the cross, the, the Roman Empire was building out its war machine. Things weren't shutting down. He didn't almost finish the job. He didn't, uh, the, we, weren't, we weren't anywhere near the salvation of humanity in his presence. And even if and when he returns, he's not going to return to click his fingers and flip the paradigm of humanity over. Okay. So that's religion. Let's look at academics. We have these things called institutions where scholars are born, where PhDs are born, master's degrees. And we've cranked out millions and millions of these highly educated, quote, modern, unquote, thinkers. And for eons of time we've been doing this, and here we are still in a conundrum. We're still in 2020, and we're up to our elbows in in um, heartache and anguish on this planet. Well, let's keep going. Well, um, meditation and perhaps yoga. The practices of meditation and yoga have been on this planet for a very, very long time. And the, the 25 yoga sutras we've talked to about in length on this uh um, program, and and I I think those have some uh, some glimpses of what might flip this paradigm, what might flip our human paradigm over and and move us into a realm of where we could actually uh, comprehend or envision that maybe indeed the the quote salvation of quote of humanity is really going to happen where heaven's going to really return to earth where where we just might pull ourselves out of this quagmire after all I mean really what's it going to be I mean if we get real about this what can we point our finger at and say that's it. That's the that's the elephant in the room. That's what we've been missing. There it is, right there. Right? See that right there? What would we be pointing at? What would that be? I suggest to you it'd be a mirror. We'd be pointing at you. We'd be pointing at me. We'd be pointing at all of us. 
Many times on the show we've talked about the power of the human consciousness, the power of the human persona, the power of having a physical in, uh, body that is incarnate with source consciousness. I, that's got to be the elephant in the room, but, but what, what is it about this human persona? What is it? What's the, what are we missing about ourselves? Clearly, we have free will. Clearly, we have the ability to choose for ourselves. The human persona built out a nuclear arsenal and was poised to level the earth into a dead rock. And at the invention of nuclear kaboomies, nuclear bombs, glowing deities did not descend from the heaven and stop it. It's up to our own flesh and bones. And we have free will, so we don't have to choose our salvation. But even if we did choose our salvation and us as a human collective chose to flip this paradigm over from suffering and struggle to peace and harmony to heaven on earth. Well, I think that's right smack dab where Professor Irvin Laszlo comes in, where tonight's topic comes in reconnecting to the source, the title of his latest book, The New Science of Spiritual Experience, How It Can Change You and How It Can Transform the World. If Jesus said to, to us that each and every one of us can achieve everything that he has achieved and more, what would the earth look like if there were seven billion Jesuses walking around? Okay, six billion nine hundred ninety-nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand and nine hundred ninety-nine, and then one scallywag, one scoundrel. No, okay. Um, what would it look like if humanity in mass connected to a deeper truth that perhaps has been hidden from our our human understanding of ourselves, of our own divinity, of our own divine power, of our own divine potential. And what I really like about tonight's episode is how elegantly, how smack on Professor Irvin Laszlo has addressed this with this book. You know, with the the current crisis in the world, how many people are wringing their hands? How many people are sitting at home afraid of what might happen? Afraid of the the various new paradigms that are playing out? Afraid of the environment they're observing? The the flip side of that is no fear. So what I like about the Rocky Mountains here is you can drive up in the mountains and pull your car over and, and walk up into the trees, and there's nature. There's, um, there's, there's a palatable peace in nature. There's a, a very eloquent presence of peace. The tree does not fret for tomorrow. 
The tree has no angst over who it is or who it will be. The plants and the animals are at ease and, and completely present in the moment. And yet in our human form, we don't see too much of that going on. We don't see someone, a, a, a human being, so at ease in their body, so at ease um, being completely present, so at ease in this now moment that it has no angst or worry or concern about tomorrow. And I, I think we got disconnected from that, um, what should I say, knowingness, from that um, understanding of who we are, understanding of our essence, understanding of our, um, the truth of us. And in this conversation tonight, Professor Irvin Laszlo is going to bring it back, going to reel us in from our um, from our journey off of the beaten path, from our disconnection, disconnection from the source, and and really he does it so very eloquently in his book. So I think you know, I think we should get to it. Um, now this episode was recorded earlier when Irvin was in Tuscany. Italy, and I was in Denver, Colorado. Um, I very much enjoyed this conversation. Um, he really, um, what I really like about what he does is, in, especially in the book, is he takes a big step back and he looks at us as, as human beings and then talks about our potential with the quantum with the quantum mechanics, if you will, of our potential. Professor Laszlo was twice nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. He is a prolific author, co-author, or editor of more than 100 books translated into over 20 languages. Not to overlook his contributions of hundreds of papers and articles in scientific journals and magazines. He's bringing a scientific understanding to this hysterical aspect of our human persona. A resident of Italy, he is the longtime editor of the acclaimed international periodical World Futures, the Journal of General Evolution. He's a founder of two international think tanks, Club of Budapest and General Evolution Research Group is also the founder and director of the Laszlo Institute of New Paradigm Research, gotta love that, a global think tank dedicated to exploring and expanding the frontiers of science and consciousness. In his book, Reconnecting to the Source, renowned authority on science and philosophy, Dr. Irvin Laszlo explores the implications of the new quantum sciences to move beyond the limits of reality, to move beyond the limits of reality. Now that sounds like the game changer we've been looking for. To move beyond the limits of reality as we know it. 
and find our way again into our informed, purposefully evolving universe. You can learn more at IrvinLaszlo.com, E-R-V-I-N-L-A-S-Z-L-O.com. And I think it's time we can listen to this episode. Um, Here we go. Enjoy the show. And welcome to the show, Irvin. Less wonderful to be with you. Hey, I want to tell you, you know, when I read your book, Reconnecting to the Source, it really felt like you took a, a, a step back from our human experience and you, you kind of got clarity in your view of what perhaps the big game is, maybe the end game, where, where we live in a quantum world and it's very responsive to us. You, you, you take that perception of what's possible and you take it several levels deeper than what traditional people have written about. What has brought you to write a book about reconnecting to the source? I don't know. I just know that I've been more or less prompted to do it. I felt that some we need to change. I mean, that's clear that the past we've been taking is a short-term past. It might give us short-term benefits, advantages, but in the long term, it, it leads to more and more conflict and, and crisis and eventually breakdown. So I feel that something that is a conviction I have, it's a deep down, both a rational insight and a deep down feeling that it's time to transform, to, trans- to transform ourselves. And uh, ideally, as what Gandhi said, we have to be the change that we want to see in the world. So my sense was, the prompted that I, I, I somehow felt, was to see what it is that we need to change, each one of us. And as I have been privileged in that sense, that's from childhood on when I was a, in a musician, in a concert pianist, and the experience of music, which is a, a, a really an, an out-of-body experience practically, it, it leaves you behind, beyond ordinary experiences of space and time. And I had this experience since then, and I've been seeking it and looking for it also in in listening to other people play or in in music or in literature or in art and in appreciation of nature. I'm looking for it in science also, in 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 the meaning that I can get from the theories of science. And therefore, I, I felt that this deeper experience of feeling ourselves that we are not separate, we are not living in a passive universe, that we are part of a larger evolving whole system, which is, of course, what the quantum sciences are now telling us, that this feeling is somehow real. And perhaps this is the way to go. Perhaps this is the way that we can transform ourselves more than just following any edicts from a politician, from an ecologist, or even from a businessman, even from a scientist, is to experience it ourselves. This is what feeling uh, that I had that prompted me to write, trying to collect experiences like this, trying to look at my own experience, and trying to find out to think why such experiences could transform us and transform our world. 
Right. Well, I, and I, I very much like what you're saying. You know, our mythology has this this notion of a savior, of a of a redemption from a, a deity or some kind of a divine being, and yet millions and probably billions of prayers have been prayed to end the suffering of humanity. And here we are today now, and people are suffering today now on planet Earth. If we look at the mythology and the notion of the hero, the archetype of the savior or the hero, it we just haven't got any traction with it with the mythology of the past. So I really like your transcendence to, to step out of perhaps what we would call the normal mythology and look for a, perhaps a new archetype. And I, your book seems to to taunt the notion that it it is found within the core of each one of us. Well, I have come to this insight already prior to this. Actually, it goes back much further. It's it's the insight is that there is something in this cosmos which makes it a directed and oriented system. It, which has what I would call in, in a sort of a scientific sense an attractor. You can call it a god, a divine will, a higher consciousness, a Buddha, uh, whatever, a, a Tao, but ultimately it is something which is in this universe that is actually also shared by us. So there are multiple considerations that have come before this step, you know. The consideration was that there, the universe is a non-random, directed, oriented system moving through evolution, moving in a perceptible, perceivable direction. And secondly, that this direction, uh, this, this drive, this motivation, is not only in what Max Planck said, in the atom, the nucleus of the atom that holds the proton and the neutron together, but it, this is also in us. So uh, this conviction, this belief, uh, this realization that it's in us to, to work with the world, with evolution, to be part of evolution and not uh, sort of a, a, an obstacle to it or be indifferent to it. And that is why I sat down and, and tried to work this out. Brilliant. Well, the, the, the subtitle of your book the new science of spiritual experience, how can it change you and how how it can transform the world you're really you're really calling for a a quantum jump if you will about effect the 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 science behind the effect of a, of the new spiritual experience if you will i don't want to put words in your mouth but What's what? What are the attributes of humans as they come to recognize this deeper truth? I mean, how will we change as an individual and a collective? Well, I had a suspicion based on my own experience that this experience produces a kind of a feeling, a kind of a sense in us, which is likely to be this very similar and even quite different people. Whoever has this kind of a deep experience will come up with some such feeling, sense, or intuition. And then I ask quite diverse people coming from science, from art, uh, from even from business, 
uh, any sphere of life, uh, the media, uh, to describe their experiences, ask them what it is that they take away with them, what it is that it ultimately remains with them. And I was wondering if it's something comparable altogether or is it something quite different? Is it altogether anything that's clear enough to describe? And to my su surprise and delight and relief, I would say, uh, <laughs> everybody came up with, with, with a very similar statement, you know. It seems religious, it seems theological, but uh, not in the sense of, of uh, transcendental theology, but of a natural theology, perhaps, of, of a sense of, a, uh, of something which is beyond our everyday experience. But it is a sense of, which is now, <laughs> I mean, all, all the time I'm trying to just explain this, it is a sense of coming, of being confirmed by what science is now telling us, the sense of not being separate the sense of being one, of being connected. The sense of this connection is something that we treasure, something that is highly valuable for us, and it fills us with warmth, with solidarity, with empathy. And yes, we can say ultimately fills us with, with love for all things that are, for the world that is, you know, around us. And that is something that I felt when I had these experiences from music and then from great works of art and from science and from nature. And this is what people come up with, people as different as, as Jane Goodall, for example, or, or Deepak Chopra and uh, James O'Dee and other people here. There are nearly two dozen of these well-known and ethical and deep-thinking individuals and they all come up with a very, very similar statement. Something that seems just, just purely fantasy spiritual is something that fills them when at the conclusion of such experiences. It has been my experience, and it's confirmed in the others. And finally, it's also supported by the new quantum view of the world, which is really where separateness is not acknowledged where indifference and passiveness is not accomplished, not, not acknowledged, where everything moves together, everything obeys a single large, embracing move toward higher and higher levels of something that I describe as coherence, as complexity and coherence, and ultimately expressed as oneness. Very nice. Well, it's, it's curious that we lived on this planet for thousands of years and not really um, mentally, conceptually aware of electricity. The, the, the principles of electricity were prominent with us, but we were unaware of them. And, and your book talks about this perhaps etherical or, or not so obvious aspect of ourselves. Yet when we when we hone that the understanding of this uh, this new science about our spiritual experience, we all become much more of a vehicle of change, if you will. It, it seems like the the vision or the dream of what our future will be comes through our inner inspiration, and I think your book's calling us to to recognize that as perhaps consciousness itself uh, self-correcting or I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth but that the impulse of the change that we're seeking really does come from within us doesn't it exactly 
So you can please continue putting words in my mouth. You're putting very good words. <laughs> they, are my, they are my words also. Yes. So yeah, I think we understand each other. Yes. Well, I had I had an experience uh, quite a while ago where uh, I turned into light, L-I-G-H-T, and there was no time, there was no space, there was no here, there was no there. It was just pure consciousness and no spectral bias or posturing whatsoever, just light. And then I returned back to my, what should I say, regular persona, and uh, I really kind of scratched my head about what the hell had just happened. And I, for me, I like the metaphor of a movie projector, because the light bulb in the movie projector is just pure white light. It has no bias of its own. And when we drop film in the gate of the projector, Whatever the hell the film is, is what's manifest on the screen. And and the reconnecting to source is perhaps unraveling who we think we are, or in other words, cleaning the gate out of our past, that we can present a, a pure and undiluted idea of what we seek to experience as heaven on earth, and the quantum field will, of course, have no bias of its own and mirror that back to us. Well, you know, this is not so, sort of all that new. I think these spiritual people have had this kind of experience and this kind of insight all along. Yes. For thousands of years. Yes. But uh, but we have not had science to back it. Right. We are not a kind of a, a collective crisis that we consciously live through and that will prompt us to look for some 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 deeper meaning and some alternative. So we don't ha didn't have these elements uh, which are now coming together. So it's it's just like electricity. It's always been there, as you say, but we didn't recognize it. We didn't use it. This this deeper oneness, this deeper sense, is not arbitrary. It's not something we just dream up. Right. I think it's there. The universe would not be what it is. Uh, by purely by random uh, interactions, by random processes. This is the conclusion that comes through in the last few years more and more in biology, in, in physics, in cosmology. So we live in a remarkably uh, oriented, meaningful, uh, if you can find the meaning, universe, meaning capable, uh, a universe capable of meaning. Right. And that there is now a chance that we have of of recognizing this and finally adjusting our ways, our way of acting. I think if somebody truly recognize this, we are not acting so destructively and so just purely competitively, so self-centered, because this recognition entails the feeling, the knowing that we are to use this popular expression, which I think is a very good expression in terms of quantum physics also, that we are one. Yet there is no fundamental separation between one mind and another, between one particle and another. As we know, space and time are relative, and ultimately there is no, no, no boundary, no absolute boundary between the here and now and other parts and other places and other times. Well, and I think your book, uh, bringing the science element into it, gives our, our mind or our ego, if you will, 
permission or perhaps validation to think in this new realm, uh, new perhaps to our awareness, but as you have spoken, this this um, attribute of consciousness that has existed within us from the beginning. Your book, through the the, the rational perspective of, of bringing the science to it, affords us the ability to move forward with a perhaps a theoretical aspect of ourselves with a lot more confidence than if our ego or our mind had no rationale to justify an effect from from our intent. Well, I hope that this book can provoke and bring out uh, feelings and, uh, and intuitions, insights, I would just say, that you are just now expressing and they can bring it out in the reader. And we need to give it what cyberneticians call an initial push to the system. It's an unstable system. It's a whole human presence on, on this planet. become very unstable and, per, and, and periculous. And, and we have to give it a little push in the right direction. And then this push, if it can be supported by this deep impetus that we have in us, because it is in the atom, it's in the nucleus of the atom, it's in the molecule, it's in every cell in our body, it's in every planet, in every solar system. This 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 tendency, or, or tropism, I call it the holotropism, a tropism towards wholeness, that is, that it is it is there in us, and we have the the uh, the excuse, so to speak, or the motivation to go with it, to search for it and to take it seriously, then maybe that will give a change. That will give that kind of an initial little push that can move us onto another path to recognize that there is a, a, a deeper way of con 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 conceiving of each other and of living together than the, hu hu than the habitual one in which we are just competing and we are only looking at our own interests. Very nice. Well, as as you've worked with this material over the years, and you've you've refined your language and understanding of it, how has your approach towards your own life changed as you became more and more aware of some of these etherical aspects of our human demeanor? Well, I've always felt that I have to follow what I feel is an inner prompting. I'm not a fanatic. But I try to find meaning, and, and whatever I do, I, I, I ask, how does this fit into the pattern? So this, in a way, is an application, to use the current term, it's an app, you know, of the software that we've always had, and trying to convert it into something that is, has the power to change ourselves so that we can eventually change the, change the world around us. I've had this conviction for, well, I don't know. I don't know. I've put a date to it, but 15, 20 years at least. But I've become more and more convinced that what I've been talking about, the future, that it's a coming crisis, that it's a coming bifurcation, we'll be calling it, on a world shift, that this has come to pass. It's here and it's, we need to respond to it positively if it's not to take it, take us down with it. So it's the, the convictions that were more on this, on the, on more 
deeper down and not so much clear to me became clearer as I was working on this book, as I was writing it. In some sense, it kind of wrote itself, but as I came closer and closer to it, uh, it just became more and more evident to me that this inner past that the, the great uh, spiritual people are always talking about, that this has something of reality in it. It is the real world. It is the quantum world, which is this whole world, which is this self-steering, self-orienting and oriented world. And this is what is our, our destiny to follow. And the big difference is not following anything outside, not even the spiritual presence, the consciousness, which is outside, but following what is inside, what is in us, because the inside and the outside is ultimately merging. It's the same thing. Right. Well, so if you were to envision, I mean, um, if you were to envision heaven on earth, if you will, or in other words, if a vast majority came to understand this this new dynamic, this new effect, if you will, um, do you get any notion of how our society would be different from the transformation of, of this essence of us? Well, replacing to a large extent, not completely, but to a large extent, replacing competition with cooperation, for example. And looking at one's own immediate benefits, interests, aims as being separate from others, replacing that with the, with the conviction, with the feeling that what is good for me is what is good for others, and what ultimately... So, seeking, therefore, a collective good, a good for a larger larger sphere of humans and of life, and altogether of a being, sustaining that, maintaining that, evolving that, as being something absolutely crucial to my own, to our own individual self and all individual aspirations. So the world would become less self-self-self, self-centered, less separate, less reductionist, less mechanical, more embracing, more whole. I mean, this is, sounds a bit, you know, metaphysical, idealistic, but societies have survived all these thousands and thousands of years because they had this sense of the whole community the whole entity, together with its environment, which traditional people still have, the indigenous people still have that. So it's not really surprising. It's just that we, in the West, in the past 250, 300 years or so, we have submerged this, suppressed this, this, this insight, this feeling, this intuition. So it's time to recover it. And when we recover it, we will have a traditional society with new technologies, with new possibilities. Technologies would be oriented not toward exploiting each other for our own immediate short-term benefit, but toward creating a whole system on every level, from the family to the global level, which can survive, which can sustain itself, which can evolve, which can strive, to use the popular term. 
So I think it's uh, the new society would be really the old society using new technologies. Right. And and nature seems to do this organically where it stays in harmony with itself and it it uh so perhaps for us to take a step back and disconnect from the the technical the um the um artificial like plastic or formed substance and um maybe get more organic with our environment i mean in a general sense well, we are waking up in so many ways i mean you're asking about my own uh, experience i have been increasingly moving on to a path of of diet you know of most living and 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 diet and eating but eating in a sense in which you're trying to give the maximum benefit from the way nature operates if you can eat from the from the plant directly, it's so much better than going to a supermarket and buying things. If you can eat it, eat it bio, it's so much better than eating something that's highly processed and synthetic. I mean, all these things I've been trying to do, to feel, and therefore to live in a more natural way. To to be what to to practice, for example, what the Japanese are calling, which is now becoming popular in the West also calling forest basing, you know, which is not literally uh, using water. It's just getting into the forest and feeling oneself immersed in that. It has to be, it can be a forest, it doesn't need to be a forest. It can be the, any part of nature. It can be a field, it can be whatever. I live on a, uh, outside as much in nature as well. nowadays in Europe one can, in Tuscany, in the hills, on, on, a, on a hill. And I can uh, I can sense that I can feel that, and it's become an environment that I wouldn't exchange to any city actually. But right. it is something that that uh, that uh, is very much deep rooted, emerging more and more in me, and I try to form it so that to give it expression, so that to live more healthy and whole. That is my ambition, and it's now supported by evidence coming from science and also from evidence coming from my colleagues, my friends who have had similar experiences and are setting out on a similar path. Well, very nice. And and obviously the manifestation of this book, Reconnecting to the Source, um, that's also a byproduct of your journey. And, and I have to tell you, I think it's a delightful read. It's very well written. And I I think it it uh, conveys um, powerful information, but in a very palatable and easy to ingest way. So I really applaud you for your accomplishment. Um, in closing, I'm I'm wondering if you have any closing thoughts for our listeners. Well, we are living in very much what the Chinese used to call interesting times. Yeah, critical times. And my final thought is that. We should not be surprised at being surprised. That also was a great former colleague of mine who is no longer with us, Kenneth Boulding, said that the only thing we should not be surprised at is to be surprised. So we are living in, in, in a time when things are changing. Who would have expected this health crisis to come about like this? Nobody, I think. 
the, the environmental causes, the fact that we, we can actually destroy the heat balances of this of this planet. Who would have thought that we were really capable of doing that? Not just locally, but globally. Who would have thought that we can destroy uh, natural ways of living in such a way that there are millions and millions of people who are getting out and searching for a place to live and to survive and a way to create an existence for themselves. All of these are surprising elements. So my closing thought is that hopefully all of these surprising, non-random elements somehow cohere together, cohere together and create a sustainable and lasting equilibrium which allows all people of this human family to live and to thrive and that all together we can be a positive, form a positive element of evolution on this planet which is perhaps will be and, and is an important element of evolution which is taking place in the universe. This is just my intuition. Well, very well spoken. Well, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been my pleasure to talk about these issues. And I just hope that people are like you in the sense of find meaning in this and find something that is something that they themselves can do and can also share this so that more and more people are setting out on this path of this inquiry and, and the inner path to our development, which is the important path. Thank you. We've been talking to Irvin Laszlo about his latest book, Connecting to the Source. And what a nice conversation that was. I, listening to the episode again, I very much enjoyed uh, um, Professor Laszlo's um, insights to the not only the um, the quantum field, our relationship with the quantum field but also um, reconnecting to that, that inner experience, that inner impulse. And uh, um, I, I'll say it again, I, I think he's written a, a very delightful book, uh, very well written. I want to give us uh, websites out. Um, there's two. Uh, the one I mentioned earlier was IrvinLaslow.com. E-R-V-I-N-L-A-S-Z-L-O.com. And the other one is LaszloInstitute.com. So he, uh, the, uh, Professor Laszlo's telling us to look inside, telling us to um, understand that the, the quantum field is reactive to us. We program it. We drive it. We um, we have a direct uh, interaction with it, if you will. Uh, and so often people will kind of resign themselves to their life, resign themselves to this is the way things are, resign themselves to the notion that they don't have that much input, they don't have that much sway in the collective or even in their individual lives. And, you know, the, the, the notion of it is done unto you as you believe. 
if you don't believe that your consciousness doesn't influence the quantum field directly, if you don't believe that, you don't really try to wave your wand of consciousness. If you don't think that your thoughts have that much of an effect, perhaps um, humanity has kind of given up on the notion of the transformation of the collective, given up on the notion of uh, a more etherical, uh, more powerful archetype that's within ourselves, given up on the notion that um, we could evolve into a, uh, a greater connection with source consciousness, a greater understanding of, of the quantum field, trusting, being able to trust that indeed the quantum field does respond to us each and every time. It... Uh, it it takes all of humanity as a collective to actually decide what our future will be. And when we as an individual come to uh, reconnect with our, our higher self, come to reconnect with a deeper truth of who we are, to... It, it's almost like your ego um, finally understands it's not the only game in town, if you, if you will. Um, many, many people in their in their journey of awakening, their journey of spiritual evolution, has uh, come into contact with their uh, the higher wisdom within us, the perhaps soul consciousness or um, higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that exists within each one of us. But until we connect with that, many, many, many people on this planet don't even consider it as that it exists within them. But once you discover, if you will, this this higher source of of wisdom, of consciousness, of understanding that's within each one of us, then the role each one of us plays shifts, and I, I suggest you it shifts dramatically. If So imagine if you uh, won the prize of becoming an apprentice to Jesus Christ, and you and Jesus Christ shared a few decades, and you were tutored one-on-one -on -one by Jesus Christ. So you're following him around, he has this ex exquisite relationship with the quantum field, and he's manifesting out of thin air. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's performing miracle after miracle. And you observe this over and over and over again. We don't get to observe that in our everyday experience of humanity. And I suggest we, we've kind of forgotten about the notion that it could even exist, that we could have legions of mystics, legions of sages, legions of alchemists that just rediscover this, this inner truth, this inner potential, this etherical, mystical, very much hidden from our ego, um, 
but yet very fundamental attribute of ourselves. Every single one of us is source consciousness. Every single one of us can do what Jesus can do eventually. But if we don't think ourselves as even in the realm or even in the possibility of that happening, we don't even give it the time of day, day in and day out. How's it going to come about? How's it going to really show up in our life if we don't believe it? And I think one thing that uh, Professor Laszlo's book does is shows our ego. It 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 kind of pulls the veil away and, and through the language of his book, which is so elegant, um, tell, uh, makes it more evident to ourselves that yes, indeed, we have this, this um, inner potential. Yes, indeed, we have this source consciousness at the core of our being. Yes, indeed, we have um, untapped potential within our our human persona, and his book is calling us to reconsider that, to reconnect with that, to to reconnect to the source at the core of who we are. He's his his book is really, um, I think he's done a, a very excellent job in the notion of telling humanity. Um, we're it. We're the vehicle of change. Humanity is what's going to save humanity. Humanity is the vehicle that we're looking for. Humanity is the is the elephant in the room, if you will, that will allow us to change our paradigm. So look at what's happening on the earth today. Look at what's happening in these last few weeks. People are being quarantined in their home. Their, um, their, our whole world, if you will, is turning upside down. Um, what we perhaps ignored in the past, how our food arrives, how, our, how the basic mechanics of society works, perhaps wasn't in our, our consciousness. We never really thought about it. And this... Uh, some of the positive attributes of, of the chaos that we're experiencing now is many, many, many people on the planet are, are taking a big step back and saying, well, wait a minute, <laughs> where do I get my food? Where is, um, what are the mechanics of how people are paid? Where, where is this, uh, this culture going? Who is controlling the resources of our governments. Um, I, th I think this upheaval is kind of a rototiller of the karmic mud or the karmic quagmire that we've been living in in a very ignorant and um, disconnected way. I think this, this upheaval that society has been going through in these last few weeks is, is getting turned on its uh, the, the ways of the past are getting turned on its head, and many, many, many people are um, finding themselves quarantined in their own home. When they would normally be at work, they're at home, and for hours on end, there's no place to go. For hours on end, there's 
um, what they would normally be doing, i.e. being at work, doing their job, that's not available to do. So they're, they're slowing down with or without choice they're they're taking a big deep introspection um, and looking at who they are. Uh, many people are questioning um, why their life is the way it is. Uh, I, I I suggest this um, this epic um, time that we're going through right now will prove to be a very positive, deep cleaning, deep cleansing of um, old unconscious dogma, old unconscious stigmas in not only our culture but ourselves. And uh, what I like about tonight's episode and, and Professor Laszlo's book is it's really a calling to to ourselves to to step up as our own individual to step up as as a a point of source consciousness to to um, learn how to trust more and more that we are the vehicle. Um, everything Jesus has been able to do exists in ourselves as our own potential. The quantum field is not going to change. We're going to change. Our relationship to the quantum field will change. Just like when you learned how to walk, the, the, the gravity, the principles of gravity didn't change, but you changed. Right in front of you is a sea of potential that our egos would call miracles that Jesus could show up and activate. The quantum field's not going to change. The sea of miracles is before us, in us, through us, around us, right now. It, and again, the universe won't change. The quantum field won't change. It'll be our relationship changing, our understanding of it changing, our trust of it changing, our mastery of it changing. When more and more human beings learn how to trust that the quantum field will, without bias, reflect back to them that which has been asked of it, then we'll start seeing more and more of the everyday man and woman manifesting miracles as it was foretold by the saviors of our past. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have to say I love I love conversations that that hinge around the human potential, that hinge around the transformation of our human condition. The, I, I look again at the subtitle of his book, The New Science of Spiritual Experience, how it can change you and how it can how it can transform the world. Now, if that's not the, quote, answer to our prayers, unquote, um, it's going to be ourselves. It's going to be the human persona. It's going to be the human persona realized, the human persona fully activated, the human persona in its own divine natural power. It is done to us as we believe. 
Hey, it's it's my pleasure as always to bring you episodes like this. Um, we've had so many wonderful interviews with um, very powerful people, and tonight's no exception. I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us. It's, it's always a pleasure sharing this time with you. I'm Les Jensen. It's always a pleasure. Um, until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.